Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kathy Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, November 30th, 2022. We are reading from the big book, and we are on page 45, the third paragraph down on the page. Today's readers are Lisa N. reading the 12 Steps, Monica K. reading the 12 Traditions. Reading the text are Kara L., Leslie M., and Lorraine N. Our newcomer greeter today is Betsy H., and giving announcements is Shelley E. The share ID for the last two meetings, yesterday, Tuesday, November 29th, 10 a.m. meeting, the code is 19,686 or 19,686. And this morning, 7 a.m. East Coast meeting on Wednesday, November 30th, the code is 19,691 or 19,691. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Lisa N. to read the 12 steps of OA. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning, Kathy. Thank you for your service today. Good morning, everyone. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, 
promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Lisa N. And I will now ask Monica Kay to read the 12 Traditions of OA. Good morning, morning, Monica. Good morning, Kathy. My name is Monica Kay. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in a group conscious. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought to never endorse, finance, lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Let's property of problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought to never be organized but we may create service boards and committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought to never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relation policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever remaining as to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thank you, Monica Kay. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topics. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, and then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book, 
on page 40, I'm sorry, 45, the third paragraph down. And I will ask Kara L. to get us started. Good morning, Kara. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, my fellows. This is Kara L., recovered compulsive reader from Southern California. We know how he feels. We have shared his honest doubt and prejudice. Some of us have been violently anti-religious. To others, the word God brought up a particular idea of him with which someone had tried to impress them during childhood. Perhaps we rejected this particular conception because it seemed inadequate. With that rejection, we imagined we had abandoned the God idea entirely. We were bothered with the thought that faith and dependence upon a power beyond ourselves was somewhat weak, even cowardly. We looked upon this world of warring individuals, warring theology systems, and inexplicable calamity with, a, with deep skepticism. Look askance at many individuals who claim to be godly. How could a supreme being have anything to do with it all? And who could compare a supreme being, comprehend a supreme being anyhow? Yet, in other moments, we found ourselves thinking when enchanted by a starlit night, who then made this? There was a feeling of awe and wonder, but it was fleeting and soon lost. Good morning. Uh, my name is Kara L. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Long Beach, California. And um, this paragraph, for me, you know, we just came off the paragraph saying, you know, like open this old subject of God or higher power. And it's true. I was brought up with a certain idea of higher power and what that would be. And it definitely wasn't a higher power that would be interested in me and my life or give direction to my life. And then... The line that reads, we were bothered with the thought that faith and dependence upon a power beyond ourselves was somewhat weak, even cowardly. For me and and where I was raised, it was thought weak and not intellectual. Um, I was raised in a science-based family. We believed in science and having spiritual things was deemed weak and even made fun of. So it was hard to, to step away from a higher power that I was raised with, it was distant, and then an idea that it was weak or um, not an intellectual pursuit to believe in a power greater than myself, right? Well, what happened was I, I just couldn't, life, life got overwhelming. And it got to the point with a compulsive eating that I needed a power greater than myself because I could not do things on my own. I couldn't function. I needed a power greater than me to do what I could not do. And I'll tell you today, you know, in the end of this, it said, you know, we found ourselves thinking with enchanted, enchanted by a starlit night, who then all made this? And it was in those moments that started to become more and more in my life. But I started to see those moments where there was indeed a power greater than me that was in my life and helping me down a path in my life. And as those moments grew, the moments of 
oh, fear, disbelief, or whatnot started to started to fade away. And then I got to enjoy those moments of beauty and, and grace. And um, it was such a gift that this program has given me. You know, I, I, this book, um, these steps, the fellowship, um, everybody that I've come in contact with has been a power that's helped me in my recovery. And that combined with the power greater than myself um, is a beautiful thing today. And I am grateful for that. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much, Kara L., for getting us started. Um, I am now going to invite people to give me your name if you'd like to share. And please remember, we ask your, to you to limit your sharing to every third day on this meeting in order that others might share their experiences too. So if you shared on Monday or Tuesday, please refrain until others have had a chance. Okay, uh, who would like to share today? Cynthia C. Cynthia C. Bonnie B. from Minnesota. Bonnie B. Lorraine N. Lorraine N. Jody E. Jody E. Anyone else? Janice K. Janice. Janice K. Okay, gotcha, Janice. Anyone else? Monica K. Monica K. Okay, we'll stop there, and we'll have another list later on. So I have Cynthia C., Bonnie B., Lorraine N., Jody E., Janice K., and Monica K. Please go ahead, Cynthia C., Thank you so much, moderator. This is Cynthia C., um, recovering compulsive overeater and food addict in the Boston area. Um, thank you so much for your service, and thank you to, um, I didn't get the name of the person who gave the lead fair. <laughs> it was really beautiful, and I, I got a lot out of it. Um, I'm really grateful to be here. I haven't been able to get on a vision for you in a while because my schedule has changed. Um, and it feels good to just connect in here today. This is definitely, you know, my home away group. Um, as to this passage, um, you know, there were definitely times in my life I just felt like God had abandoned me. I don't know if I thought there wasn't one. I'm not clear if I thought there wasn't one or he just wasn't in my life or how could he have let all of these horrible atrocities happen in the world or all the horrible atrocities that simply happened in my own family, and they were bad, um, you know, but I can look back at my life, and I can say there were times when I made decisions, and God intervened, you know, and God said, no, that's not what you should be doing, and unexpected things happened, um, and I think that was my higher power protecting me, certainly from myself, and, and supporting me, and loving me, um, you know, and today I look forward to and I need to be able to get up and connect in with my higher power first thing. Um, the days that I get up and I, and I, um, and I sometimes have to get up very early um, to do my prayer and meditation before I get on a meeting, um, it's, I'm grounded, I'm centered. Um, 
I can make choices and respond um, thoughtfully. On the days, and I can just miss one day, and the days where I wake up late or feel like it's more important to get on a meeting than to do my second or 11th step, however you want to phrase it, the meditation, it's, um, it's those days that, um, you know, it's those days that I'm in conflict, that I'm feeling more emotional, that I'm feeling maybe emotionally unstable, or I feel like um, I react to people and things and issues. Um, and right now I'm in the middle of writing and um, writing my fourth step again and, and turning it over to my sponsor. I'm writing in chunks and turning it over in chunks. And those days that, I, that I'm writing and the days in between my writing and then turning it over, I'm really, really feel very vulnerable and emotional. And, and so the days, if I do allow myself to skip that morning routine, I can really feel how it impacts. And it impacts my relationships, it impacts my, with my marriage and my kids and those around me. And I don't feel like, you know, writing the first step is a little painful and it's good. I mean, it's really, really beautiful and it's really good. And I'm grateful to have the opportunity to do it again and do it a little differently. My um, current that sponsor is having me do it differently than I've done it in the past. And, and I'm grateful to know there's more. Thank you so much. I'm grateful to know there's more than one way, and I'm so grateful to be on the meeting. And thank you so much. I look forward to listening to everyone else. Thank you, Cynthia C. Bonnie B., please share with us. Bonnie, press star one. Okay, let's try it again. I was talking to myself. Good morning, okay. everyone. Thank you so kindly, Kathy, and um, um, everyone else who's here. We're just so excited to be here. Um, recovered in the state of Minnesota gratefully today by the grace of God. Um, yeah, so everyone comes into this program with an idea of what God is or who God is. Um, and I came in with a belief in the God of the Bible. I mean, I had committed my heart to God and surrendered my heart to Jesus when I was 19. And yet what I came to understand is that, um, you know, I still had doubt and prejudice. I really, really, really wanted a God who was going to perform for me. Um, and that's why when I did my four step, I had 40 pages <laughs> of stuff that I gave away because I had expectations. And God hadn't showed up the way I wanted. I was raised in a church. I believed in God, um, but he didn't perform. He wasn't the genie I had hoped. And um, because of this program, through this program, what I've come to understand is I had, I had the wrong target. I had a target on all sorts of things, but not God. When it talks about we looked upon the world, um, you know, all the different calamity and all the different things that are going on and asked the question, how could a supreme being have anything to do with it all? I get that. You know, I had a daughter that was assaulted and she attempted suicide twice. Um, it, it just felt wrong, right? And yet this is the reality of it. Hurt people hurt people and sick people are sick. And God had nothing to do with any of that. We are given free will. We're free to choose. We're not free from the consequences. We're given free will. Everyone is given free will. And hurt people hurt people and sick people are sick. And so now when I look at the world and I look at everything that's going on, it causes me to drop to my knees and pray. Because hurt people are hurt and sick people are sick. And they do things that um, 
you know, sometimes have an impact on the rest of us. And I've done things that have had an impact on other people also. So I'm not pointing any finger at anyone other than back at myself. When we're hurt, we do things that we wish we wouldn't have done. And so I don't look at um, God the way I used to look at him. He's not a genie in a bottle. He loves me. Um, he sent his son for me. Um, um, and I know that because of that, I, I know where I'm going to spend eternity. And I'm grateful for that. Does it mean that I'm immune from what's going on in this world? Absolutely not. But with regards to what's going on, God has very little to do with it other than, um, you know, he wants me to fall back and to look to him and to lean to him. And when I do that in this program, I stay safe and protected and I get to keep my eyes off of other people and just keep my eyes on the only target that doesn't move. And with that, I will pass. And thank you so much again for your service. Thank you, Bonnie B. Lorraine N., please share with us. Hi, good morning, Kathy. Thank you for your service, and thank you to um, Tara, the lead share. That was just beautiful. Um, Yeah, uh, lack of power, that was my dilemma, and um, I didn't even know it. (laughs) This paragraph um, speaks to me because it describes who and where I lived all of my life until I came into this program and in particular came to Visions three years ago and began studying this book uh, with a whole new um, perspective and understanding. Um, Yeah, I gave up on God when I was 12 years old. I remember the exact moment I told him I hated him. And um, from that moment on, I, I, um, I just, I didn't, I mean, I still had that God, that terrible, fearful, angry, punishing God of my indoctrination as a child. That was the only God I knew. And when I got here and, you know, someone said, you know, who am I to say there is no God? And, you know, who am I to choose my own conception? I didn't think I could do that. I I thought the only God was the God I was taught, you know, and um, little by little, it was like psychic surgery. I I had to start to remove that old idea and concept of God and try to replace it with a new loving higher power of my understand of my non understanding. Basically I just embraced the mystery. I don't know what it's all about. I, I call myself a bumbling Buddhist sometimes because I kinda of mix in Eastern religion with um talking to Jesus all day. <laughs> So, you know, and I know I get to do that now since I came here. I get to do that. I can talk to that loving presence. And and that is who helps me remove the obstacles to um, love's presence. And um, it doesn't talk about, you know, helping me uh, heal my causes or why I eat. It's... Um, helps me remove the obstacles to God's presence. And um, it's only been since I've been, you know, studying this book the way I have been that, you know, that was, that was a huge turning point for me is all I can say. I had to get a new concept of a higher power if I wanted to get healthier. And um, so I have that. I love it. And now I get to learn about how to cope with a lifetime of emotions that I stuff down with food. And um, it's a beautiful thing. It's not easy. Some days are more difficult than others, but I keep trudging the road and um, 
with this beautiful program and I get to study it with others every day. And um, I'm just so grateful. I'm grateful that I'm open to learning and I'm grateful for the others in this program that helped me do that and, and point out my character defects <laughs> when they come up. And um, so thank you. Thanks for letting me share. I just wanted to share this morning. Thank you. Thank I'll you pass. so much. Thank you, Lorraine. And Okay, Jody E., please share with us. Thank you, Kathy, for your service. And good morning, everyone. This is Jody E., gratefully recovered in California. Ah, yes, this concept, this idea of God, which is uh, not easy for all of us at all. Some of us really rebel against this idea of this um, czar of the universe overlooking everything personal to us. Well, it's really not so difficult. All we need to do is um, accept the possibility that there might be something and be willing to work the steps. Be willing to get abstinent and work these 12 steps as they have worked for us. And for most of us, over time, we come to believe in something. We may not be able to define it. We may not need to put a name to it. But we can start to rely on it. We can start to trust in it. And we can start praying for knowledge of God's will for us and the power to carry that out. And as we become abstinent and our brain clears, we start to notice things, little idiosyncrasies, coincidences. And we too will say, is it odd or is it God? Because we notice things that uh, just, they feel good, they feel right, and they feel like they can't be just chance. Yeah, so I encourage everyone who's not sure that they can believe in God to just act as if, just be willing to get abstinent and work these 12 steps and see what happens. If uh, we're, we're happy to refund your misery if it doesn't work for you, but so many of us, as you are hearing on the line, have taken this step of coming to believe, and it has worked for us. So please join us. Don't be afraid. We're here with you, here to uh, help you whenever you need it. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much, Jody E. Um, Janice K., please share with us. Hi, this is Janice K. in Oregon. Um, there are three points in this story that offer what I think of as points of intersection with my life. The first one is a particular idea of him with which someone had tried to impress them during childhood. That's the first one. The second one 
the thought that faith and dependence upon a power beyond ourselves was somewhat weak, even cowardly. The third one, and who could comprehend the supreme being anyhow? Concerning the first one, the particular idea. I love the phrase, God of my indoctrination, because that's what, that's unfortunately what it comes across as. Um, as with many of you out there, the culture of my family and the lesson of my childhood was don't depend on anyone. You can't trust anyone. Not God, not people. If you don't take care of yourself, it's done. The second point, yes, and it so, therefore, dependence upon God or religion is weakness and folly. Um, and the third one, who could comprehend the supreme being anyway? Well, if I could understand a supreme being, I would be one myself. So... I think what I'm saying is you can start from a very sad, bleak, empty place. The spiritual journey is something that takes a lifetime. When I was 21 and I turned 72 this month, so at age 21 I had a mountaintop experience that gave me a glimpse of the God of my hopes and dreams. That was the God I chose to believe in, and that was the God I sought for the remaining 51 years. Maturing spiritually, if you look at the spiritual journey, requires growing away from what we were taught, or perhaps growing into it if you're one of the lucky ones. For me, uh, one of the things I found happening that returns to me is I would take refuge in the God of my hopes and dreams, the acceptance and the love. And from the safety of that, I would look out and look at the God of my misunderstanding and take and say incredibly wise, profound things like, go away, mean, bad God, I don't like you. And then I would look over my shoulder at my higher power and say, but we're okay, right? You still like me? my higher power would smile and wrap me close and say, yes, we're fine. Thank you for listening. I pass. Thanks so much, Janice Kay. And Monica Kay, please share with us. Good morning. My name is Monica Kay from California. Um, Thank you again, Kathy, for your service, and thank you, everybody, for your shares and being here on the line. And... Like somebody has said in the previous meeting, I really love the phrase, like holding the space. We hold the space for each other, and now is the space holded for me in three minutes. And um, so I can discover and see. And for me, I don't know what that word God means, and uh, I don't know what universe God um Period. I don't know anything. I just notice that when I think and act certain ways, I suffer and I have a lot of pain. And there is another way that when I work the steps with my sponsor 
and she was guiding me precisely and showing me precise direction. And I wrote things and I said, who am I angry at? And then I cry and then I wrote again, who did I harm? And then I apologize and try to change my behavior, asking God for that. All of a sudden, there is much less suffering. And I'm noticing that there is something, uh, and the food is not calling me. And and sometimes is, and sometimes I'm still in, in pain, and sometimes the food still calls me, but I have right now the formula, which are the 12 steps that my sponsor is showing me, and precisely doing that things helps me to have less suffering, more happiness, more connection, and understanding of, yes, I called it God, for me it's God, but I don't know what it is, I just know that the connection with the nature, with my sister, with friends, with my mother. It's so much different and, and deeper. And my thinking changes as of results of doing the steps. So I do the work and my experience of recovery, food and relationships is being changed. And I'm even more honest to say, you know, I'm sad, I'm angry, I'm disappointed which in the past I always wanted to be perfect and okay. So I have a little bit more courage to be honest with myself and other people. And thank you. Thank you very much, Monica Kay. Okay, so we are reflecting on the last paragraph on page 45 in We Agnostics for those who just joined us late. And I am now open to taking some more names. Who would like to share? Rose from California. I'm sorry, who is that from California? Liz A. Okay, got you, Liz. And who is that from California? Cheryl S. S. Okay, I heard Carol S., and I missed everybody else in that crowd. Barbara W. Ben from Oregon. Barbara W., and who from Oregon? Ben from Oregon. Ben. Evelyn B. Evelyn B. from Massachusetts. Joanne P. Joanne P. Okay, anyone else? Who is that? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Okay. I have Liz A, Carol S, Barbara W, Ben, Evelyn B, and Joanne P. Did I miss anyone? Okay, Liz, please go ahead. Liz, press star one to unmute. Hi, this is Liz, a recovered compulsive overeater from California. Um, uh, Yeah, as others have shared, I had this particular idea of God, which my uh, religious Jewish upbringing, um, you know, taught me. And um, and especially uh, focused on the Holocaust and again how you know man's inhumanity towards man 
and uh, trust no one, don't tell anyone anything. And um, and what I found, I, I loved God, but what I found was that um, the Bible, for me, was very dated, um, and it was written clearly by men, and, uh, and women were insignificant, and so I did reject that God. Um, and then uh, 35 years ago, I... Um, I became sober because I became an alcoholic, a drug addict, and I became sober. And I had this incredible spiritual experience. And my life from then on was just just wonderful, you know. And it was easy because you put the alcohol down and it was easy. And it became about seeing God in friendships and seeking other ways to find God together, meditating, all this good stuff. Then I had this incident in my life where um, I, I was in terrific, terrific pain. I mean, horrible pain ended up in the ER many times. And I kept begging God. I said, God, you've always been so good to me. Please take this away. And he didn't. And he just didn't. And at that point, I rejected him entirely. It was like, you either do this for me and are God, or you don't, and then you're not God. And um, and my life started uh, going down the tubes from there on, um, not, not so well. Um, but I always had, and somewhere later in the book, it says there is the fundamental idea of God. And I had that. And someone said to me, set aside everything you think you know about yourself, about God, about program, et cetera, et cetera. And I did that. And um, I started asking God what he wanted from me instead. Instead of me asking, like someone said, the genie in the bottle, I started asking God what he wanted from me. And, you know, when I didn't focus on my pain and I didn't focus on me, uh, the pain lessened and I got better. Mm. And the friendships that I have here now and all I want to do now is grow in my understanding, not understanding because I'll never understand God, but grow in my love of this spirit of the universe that created beauty and everything we see around. Okay. And um, so with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you very much, Liz, Liz A. Carol S., please share with us. Good morning. This is Cheryl S. Oh, I'm sorry, Cheryl. No worries. No worries. Um, and I have been sitting... Well, let me, I'm going to start with this. The paragraph talks about, you know, how we, how we look at human evidence like tragedy, human tragedy, and, um, and we use that as evidence that there is no God. But we don't look so quickly at human beauty, you know, worldly beauty, and, and judge that as evidence that there is a God. And... Um, 
I am working my steps and, and I am having some amazing God experiences. Um, and this morning I'm sitting in my home and I have horses and a huge bull elk has jumped the fence into my property and is trying to play with my horses. And so for me, it really is the perspective. You know, do I look for God in the horrible things or do I look for God in the amazing things? And I had a really difficult time trying to write down what was my, you know, what are the characteristics of my higher power. But for me, it's really a feeling. It's really a that gut feeling. It's like this is God, and um, and I can also say, in the worst worst times of my life, some of the most amazing, indescribable, unimaginable things of wonder and goodness and beauty have come out of those things, and. Um, and for me, that is, that is my God. Uh, that is my higher power. He takes the things that are painful and miserable, like compulsive overeating, and turns them into something beautiful, like this fellowship for me. And, um, and all I can say is, if you want a different perspective today, and you want to see a picture of a bull elk trying to play with three domestic horses, you can look me up on the membership list, and I will text you an amazing, an amazing picture that I think um, will give you some, will make you think about God. Um, again, it's Cheryl S., and I'm in Nevada, and thank you so much for letting me share. Thank you, Cheryl S. Barbara W., please share with us. Uh, good morning, everyone. Thank you so much, Kathy, for your service and for all the wonderful shares that I've heard this morning. Um, the first thing that came to my mind was God is either everything or he isn't or he is nothing. And um, I can I am in my 70s now. I'll celebrate my 77th birthday next week. And um, the God that I have today, the personal relationship that I have with God today is so different from the one I may have had when I was in my 40s um, and going through a few things that I care not to go through. Um, it's like the one I have today in my old age is an amazing personal one that is so deeply caring for me. Um, I have conversations with God. Um, I do some of the dialogue where um, God and I are talking, and I'll talk out loud, and I'll be the voice of God talking back to me. And it's a loving God. It's one that um, is carrying me through these years, and my adult children, and um, has lowered my expectations so that they are I have given them permission to be who they are and and I am incredibly grateful for the way they have uh, set up and carried out their lives and for my 
beautiful grandchildren and um um it it really is god is everything to me um i've been blessed by extremely good health uh, just arthritis and um uh, i have a heart that beats strongly lungs that work beautifully and um my belief in god is 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 the all-encompassing uh god that lives around and through and around me and through me and everywhere about me um god is everything to me um and has carried me through life situations that i would um that i i used to call not fair i got cheated kind of thing um divorced i got cheated um because it was seemed to be always it was him i did nothing wrong and and now I am no longer, I see my part in all of the things that have happened. And um, was I a victim of, of alcoholic parents? Well, I used to think so, but then I realized that that helped shape my character. But God has been present all throughout my life, and I just didn't know it until my old age. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Barbara W., Ben from Oregon, please give us the first initial of your last name. Press star one, Ben. Do you hear me now? Yes, now I can. Uh, I'm sorry about that. Um, this is Ben L. from Oregon. Thank you so much for your service um, and everybody who's been sharing. Uh, it's really, really good for me to listen to um, other people's perspectives in, in this reading um, because um, naturally I just have uh, a hard time. Um, it's just left to my own natural instincts uh, to understand God, um, I, I just, I need, I need intellectual reasoning and, um, and naturally that's hard for me to get there. And so with, with God, with, with a higher power. And so when we're reading this, this passage, um, in, in, uh, a vision for you, I, I, I get it. I understand. Um, I mean, a, a seven twenty-four hour period of creation—that just—that's um, scientifically that's not how how it happens, and so um, that's that's thrown out the window for me. And then I just look at the suffering, and and just the higher power just doesn't make sense to me um, in a, in a natural instinct. Um, but, uh, I guess I, I became, um, friends with, a a, a person who, um, migrated here from Asia who, um, came here because he was being persecuted for his, for his faith. And, and I just, I said, can you help me understand this faith? you know, your faith, and um, you've made such a big life change. That, 
can you help me understand why you made such a, a life change for your faith? And he, and he started, um, he showed me, uh, <clears throat> I, I brought up the creation problem that I have, and, and he showed me this uh, video of a Christian astronaut who said, you know, days are different when you're outside of the, the Earth's hemisphere. And I don't know, a lot of things, he just like took me through my concerns and it started making making more and more sense to me. Um, and and then he said, you know, uh, some, some other cultures, we don't take pain medication because we understand, we don't want to miss the lesson that we would learn through our pain. And um, that's been sitting with me since he said that. And I guess like God and a higher power understands my compulsive eating and the pain that I've brought on that it's brought on to me from this disease. And, uh, and um, I don't know, I think I'm just, uh, I'm just processing out loud. And, um, and That's so time. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and thank you. Thank you. Timekeeper. Um, I'm going to go ahead and, and pass. Thanks, Ben. L. keep coming back. And unfortunately, I'm so sorry, we do not have any more time for Evelyn and Joanne. I miscalculated, so please pick up your phone and share what you wanted to share. Um, We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164 and follow that with the serenity prayer. Leslie M., would you please read a vision for you? Good morning, Kathy Kay. Thank you for your service. This is Leslie M. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Long Island, New York. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.